0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Bad Bleeps of the Bible. In the dark of the night by candlelight in the year 700 BCE, the prophet Micah furiously scribbles onto parchment a divine revelation. But thou... Bethlehem Ephrata, he writes, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be the ruler in Israel, whose goings on forth have been from of old, from everlasting. A hundred years later, in 600 BC, another prophet named Jeremiah has just received a divine revelation from above. He's struck by divine inspiration and grabs a scroll and ink and begins to write. Behold, The days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. In his days Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name, whereby he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. But before Micah and before Jeremiah came perhaps the most famous prophecy, delivered nearly a millennia before its fruition. Isaiah, prophet of the Lord in 800 BCE, writes, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, all these men foretold a savior, a messiah, someone who would liberate their people from oppression, bringing them into the light of freedom. Little did they know that nearly a millennium later, this savior, this mighty God descending from above to liberate the world would come, not in the form of a warrior in gold and armor, but in the form of a baby. A baby who would, with his birth, change the world forever, regardless of whether you believe the story or not. Our bleat this week, this week of Christmas, is the boy child, baby Jesus. To tell the Christmas story, we actually need to start before the birth of Jesus, but not the hundreds of years before that we were talking in our prophecies. Actually, we're just talking um, a few years before, and not with Mary and Joseph, but with a couple just once removed named Zechariah and Elizabeth. Though relatively unknown in the story of Christmas, Zechariah and Elizabeth are integral, and here's why Gabriel, angel of the Lord, you know him, appears to the couple who were barren. They were unable to have children. But this angel with his message was about to change all of that. And in a gorgeous echo of the Christmas story, this angel, Gabriel, promises a baby to be born that will prepare the world for the soon-coming Messiah. This baby will be the Messiah's messenger, his hype man, if you will, and he'll prepare the world for the Savior. It's a huge announcement from the angel, right? Imagine you're Zachariah and you are Elizabeth hearing this. You might not believe it. You've been trying for children so long, and so... They doubted. Well, Zechariah doubted. And for this, the angel actually struck him mute, stating that until the day his baby is born, he'll utter no words from his mouth. Wild. But it's only a short time later, nine months later, that the baby is born. And this baby, if you don't know, his name is John the Baptist. Super famous individual from the New Testament. John the Baptist, famous for wearing animal skin, living in the wilderness, you know, locust-eating, baptizing man that he was, he was actually Jesus' cousin. That's right. You see, Mary, the Mary of our Christmas story fame, is actually Elizabeth's cousin. And his story is just as important because he, with his words, will prepare the nation of Israel for the Savior. And he'll be beheaded for doing so. But that's another story for another day. It's just important that we he is in this story, though, and that we begin here. Because as you will see, Mary has her doubts initially about having this child. But it's Elizabeth and it's Zachariah with the birth of their child that convinces her. And don't worry, Zachariah, the minute the baby is born, is freed from his muteness. So there's that. But the angels and delivering these messages aren't done. In fact, in our story today, they're super busy. Fast forward just a bit to the sixth month of the Jewish calendar known as the month of Adar, corresponding to February slash March in our calendars today. We find in the land of Galilee, a simple Jewish woman named Mary. Galilee tip-top of northern Israel, just below Lebanon. And Galilee was actually known for their industry and for their recognizable accents. (laughs) LOL. But we find Mary in Galilee. She was just a simple woman who lived her life day to day to, I would assume, serve God and also serve her husband, Joseph, who she was betrothed to. And Joseph famous dude, was of the house and lineage of David, the house of David, H-A-U-S, if you will. And if you want specifics on how Joseph was related to David and this entire lineage chart, you should definitely look in Matthew 1, which lists his entire family line all the way from Abraham and Isaac to David, and then eventually to Joseph himself. But it's another day. Back to Mary's angelic visit the Bible doesn't tell us how this went down. We just know that Mary was there in Galilee living her life. And we can assume that in the dark quiet of evening, in that moment right after the setting of the sun and the darkness begins to take hold in the house, we find Mary lit only with the light of a nearby lantern. She's quietly preparing her home for rest. When from out of nowhere, an angel appears to mary the room is suddenly lit up with light i'm sure there are harps and trumpets blaring announcing that the angel gabriel has arrived and i listen i tried to find indication that gabriel was in the form of a man in this instant. And the Bible really doesn't tell us. So we can take two routes. We can take one that he is the eyeballed creature that we've referenced many times. Or we can say that he's a man. But again, we don't have an instance. I think Mary, while she was rightfully freaked out by this stranger rival, they have been even more freaked out if it was a stranger rival with a swirling eyeball creature speaking to her. So we'll roll with the man theory. Why not? It's Christmas. But... Anyway, as Mary is blasted with the light in the otherwise dark and quiet of the night, the angel Gabriel begins to speak with, to Mary with some very clear words. He says to her, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Which, side note, great. Didn't help Mary, probably, because she's, again, rightfully terrified. But don't worry, he continues saying, Fear not, Mary. For thou hast found favor with God. Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give him unto the throne of his father David, our Christmas king, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob, Israel, forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end." Pause there. Mary is probably freaked out at this point. She's staring at this creature, this glowing, winged, garbed, amazing, fabulous creature who's telling her that though she's a virgin, she'll be with child of the house of David. And of course, I think she can probably assume, okay, Joseph is of the house of David, but how am I supposed to be pregnant with his baby if I've not known a man or I've not known him? So she doubts the angel. She's not fully convinced. So she responds, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel then shares the immaculate conception, really the first of what would be many Christmas miracles, when he replies, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore, also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. So the angel tells her that the Holy Ghost will impregnate her with the holy thing that is the Son of God. He continues saying, This actually has happened for your cousin Elizabeth, who, though barren, is now with child. Remember why we started there? For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And after saying this, I'm imagining some like boom of sound and trumpets blaring and everything goes black yet again. And in the darkness and in the silence that follows this angelic messenger, Mary is left alone in the emptiness of the Galilean night to think on all of these things that the angel has shared. A baby, her, a virgin birth? How can this make sense? She needed evidence. So one statement among the many must have run and rung in Mary's consciousness. Probably the statement, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. She, who is said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month, for no word of God will ever fail. I'm sure this statement definitely sat with her. So one way to verify the angel's message is, of course, to go see Elizabeth. Go see her cousin. So what follows is Mary traveling to her cousin Elizabeth to confirm the angel's story. She travels from to Judah from Galilee, which was a journey of about 70 miles taking around two and a half days. And when Mary crests the hill nearing the home of Zechariah and Elizabeth, her cousin, Elizabeth feels a rumbling inside of her as the baby inside of elizabeth baby john the baptist the messenger of the highest preparing the way for the messiah jumps for joy now listen that feels a bit omen omen ish you know the omen if you ask but like what can you do the baby's jumping inside he's so excited but for mary after speaking with her cousin hearing of her cousin's and her cousin's husband, Zacharias's own angelic visit, his muteness, and then probably this most recent jumping for joy of baby John the Baptist inside of Elizabeth, Mary's belief in the angel's foretelling is confirmed. She now believes without a doubt that she is the mother of the coming Messiah. She takes a moment to ponder everything. She thinks about it. And then we actually have her words in the text when she says, For he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. And we do! People worship Mary. People love Mary. This is truly an epic moment for her. And her belief in what is about to happen is what might be the most miraculous it takes a lot of faith to believe that you're about to be impregnated by the Holy Ghost, but she has some evidence. But what about her betrothed Joseph? How would Joseph take this news? How would she tell him that, though a virgin, she is now with child? Obviously, he's going to think that something happened, that she was uh, did something to cause this. But it turns out she really had nothing to worry about. That being said, though, it didn't start out that way. In fact, Joseph almost removed Mary as his betrothed. And here has, here's how it went down. So Mary obviously revealed her miraculous virgin birth. She told him that an angel had come to visit her. She told him that when she went to visit her friend Elizabeth, her cousin Elizabeth, the baby inside of Elizabeth jumped for joy with her approach. She told him that all of this is true, that she is pregnant with God's baby. And he did not believe her. He was a just man. He was a kind man. And it took a lot, but he did not believe that this was true. But we can see that he was nice because the Bible tells us that he was about to do two things. First, he knew that he must divorce Mary. He knew that. She was pregnant out of wedlock and from another man, divorce is the only option truly, but second, what shows him as maybe a kinder man was that the Bible tells us he was going to put her away privately. Not only was he going to cancel the engagement, he wasn't going to announce her pregnancy. Because, with this, if he did state that Mary was pregnant with another man's baby, even though it is the holy baby, she would be stoned, stoned to death. So Mary tries to convince Joseph of her innocence and divine message, but he didn't believe her. He didn't believe her. He was going to go through with these actions until I told you these angels were busy. In the quiet of the night, a sleeping Joseph has the strangest dream. In the dream, the angel Gabriel once again appears and says to him, Joseph, Thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Obviously, I would have woken up at this point, but Joseph maybe took a lot of melatonin this evening because he slept a lot. The angel continues saying, now, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And then the angel disappears, and Joseph is left in the darkness of his dreams. Joseph, free from his dream world, wakes up in complete shock and in the very next instant goes to Mary, wakes her from her sleep, and apologizes, I'm sure, I hope, and takes her as his wife. The pregnancy is what it is. They can write it off, but now he knows that truly, this babe being carried by his betrothed, his engaged partner, is the Messiah. So that's all backstory. Where maybe you know, and where the more general population knows, even if you aren't religious or aren't of the religious variety, uh, it picks up here where we're about to start. Um, This is where Mary and Joseph go to Bethlehem to have the chosen, the coming Messiah. And it tells us that the time period where this happens is the tax time by Caesar Augustus. So Caesar wanted more money. He needed to know how many people lived within Israel at the time. And how to tax them. So, as you know, at this point, Israel is under Roman rule. And during this time, when he called everyone back to their home countries, everyone went back to their cities of origin. And as we've now hammered home, Joseph is of the house and lineage of David. Where is David's lineage from? It is from Bethlehem. So guess where Mary and Joseph have to return in order to be counted and taxed? Remember they're married at this point, so they're one household. They have to return to Bethlehem, which was about 90 miles from where they were living in Nazareth, a city within Galilee. So they load their donkey. The pregnant Mary is now riding along as Joseph and she begin their walk And their journey to Bethlehem. And it's here where we're going to pause Mary and Joseph's walk to Bethlehem to tell you about another journey that was happening at the exact same time. That was the journey of three men who I'm sure you know, and if you don't know, you've heard the song, We Three Kings of Orientar. You know them. We love them. They are the Three Wise Men from the East following the star. Who were they, though? Um, well, I wanted to know. I'm sure you want to know. They weren't so much kings as they are philosophers and wise men from the East who followed the signs and interpreted the Old Testament writings. They looked at those words of Micah. They looked at the words of Jeremiah and Isaiah, and they knew that this star must portend something incredible. They're unnamed in the Bible, but in later retellings of the story, though it's not from the Bible, I like to use it, they had three names. The first is Melchior, who hailed from Persia. And I cannot think of Melchior without thinking Spring Awakening. Uh, Gaspar, also called Casper or Jasper, um, who was from India. And then Balthazar from Arabia. Also go to Balthazar's in New York City and get their cream puff. And why are they traveling now? Well, as we said, they saw the star... They knew the Old Testament prophecies, and they knew that now was the time of deliverance. They wanted their special place in their story, and they have a special place in the story, and their gifts have a special place in the story that all have symbolic representation that is also referenced in Old Testament prophecies, which we'll get to. But on their way following the star, the wise men arrive in Israel— but unfortunately make the decision to stop in King Herod's court there in Jerusalem. They go to King Herod and they swing by and ask, Hey, Herod, what's up? Where is he that is born King of the Jews? For we have seen his star and are come to worship him. King of the Jews. We talked about this a wee bit, but Herod thought of himself as the King of the Jews. And so the wise men referencing the King of the Jews would obviously Strike a nerve. And for him, for Herod, we know he's kind of evil. He hatched a plan. He says to them, Hey, wise men, it's fine. Yeah, you know what? Go ahead. You follow that star wherever it's going, wherever you believe it lands, and you report back to me when you find out where that king of the Jews, in quotes, is. And I would love to go worship him too. And Herod lets the three wise men go. Herod then gets all his people to figure out where this king is being born. He finds out that it's Bethlehem and begins to put his horrendous plan into action. It's good, though, because before sending off the wise men, he did ask them about timing and asked them to let him know when the baby is born. So while he may have a sinister plan, he may not have the correct timing. But there are sinister actions about to come. The wise men depart, and Mary and Joseph arrive in Bethlehem. And with the stars shining brightly, they take their first steps into what is to be the most immortalized story in history. Were they knowing this? Were they not knowing? We don't know. Were they knowing that they were about to take part in the most epic story in all of history and in doing so etch their place in time forever? We don't know. But what we do know is that they were about to bring into the world the child who would, with his birth, change the world forever. And we'll pick up with that part of the story in part two on Friday. I really hope that you enjoyed today's part one episode of our Christmas story. Please feel free to get in touch with me and share your thoughts about this story, others that you've listened to. You can share your thoughts about your church stories, any questions you have about the podcast, or for me, you can get all of that. I will answer you at badbleeps of the Bible at gmail.com. You can also find Bad Bleeps on Instagram and TikTok at Bad of the Bible. Sources for today's story can be found in our show notes, and please rate, review, and subscribe and share. Catch you next time, and watch out for stars shining above you, since they may be heralds of something fabulous. Thanks for listening, and bye!